Welcome to What Do You Know About? My name is Ash, and I will be your tour guide through the lesser-known stories of history. You can join us on your favorite podcast app, or come have a conversation on our Instagram at WDKA Podcast. But first, hold on tight, because we're about to go down a historical rabbit hole with today's episode. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and bonjour, my dear, dear listeners. Today I'm going to squash all of your notions of Canada. Possibly. Perhaps there are a few of you out there who are aware that Canada is not perfect, but I know there's quite a few who haven't seen past the facade of this cold, hockey-loving, multicultural country with free healthcare. The truth is we are just as flawed as every other country. We attempted to stamp out the Japanese lineage during World War II. We tore apart indigenous families in order to erase their culture and integrate them into white European society. And in particular relevance to today's episode, we were just as guilty of slavery as the USA and England. But first, let's give a warm welcome to a special guest, my dear friend Kelly. Say hi, Kel. Hi. Kel is going to join me for today's episode, as well as possibly next week's episode, while Kat is on a short hiatus. We preach to you all that self-care is important, so we're standing by that by taking care of ourselves as well. I've also got a special guest joining us in the near future from another Canadian bred podcast, so there will be some new voices to join in with mine as we continue telling these important historical stories. On that note, let's head back to that particular sore spot in Canadian history and fast travel to Quebec in the 1700s. Kelly, what do you know about slavery in Canada? Um, that, actually, honestly, not a lot. I know that we still had it. We covered it up better than the U.S. did, I think. At least, retrospectively, because most people don't know about it in today's history. Um, but it's interesting because... I lived in Quebec, and so I am excited to hear a little bit more about it, because I had no idea. Cool. All right. So, slavery actually started in what was known as New France at the time, but is now known as Quebec, in 1629, with the arrival of Canada's first slave. The next set of slaves didn't arrive until the late 17th century, but I'm going to count one black slave as the start of slavery anyways. Uh, most of our slaves were actually of indigenous background, which might be how we tried to get around the fact that we were part of the slavery movement. That makes sense. Actually, that makes a lot of sense because, again, Canada likes to sweep our bad history under the rug. So it doesn't really surprise me that right? it wasn't like 
black people, but it, just indigenous. Right, because I asked you to put it in a note, saying, like, who us? Our slaves aren't of African descent, yeah. therefore we've got clean hands. Exactly. <laughs> um, but honestly, <laughs> slaves are slaves. Let's not sugarcoat it here, Mr. Government. Perhaps we had less slaves than other countries, but we still had them. 4,200 slaves, to be exact, between 1671 and 1834, which is the year that the British Empire abolished slavery. Two-thirds of them were indigenous and one-third African. My source on the history of slaves in Canada actually has an answer for why we may not have had so many slaves. Make that two answers. Answer number one, we didn't need that many slaves as our jobs were less labor-intensive. At the time, Canada was mainly known for the fur trade, and we relied upon the knowledge of the free Indigenous people to run that industry effectively. The other main industry in early Canada was farming, but all the farms were small enough that families could pretty much use their own labor and didn't need to outsource to slavery very often. Yeah, but what fun is that, you know? Like, why make our own children do it? Yeah, we can have a free workforce, and everyone else is doing it, so why shouldn't we? Well, the second reason given for the fact that we didn't have as many slaves as we could have is the price on these people's heads. An average Canadian settler at the time was paid about 100 pounds or 200 to 400 pounds annually if you were a high-skilled artisan. Remember that we were still British and French at this point, so our Canadian currency wasn't in use yet. It wouldn't be created until Confederation in 1867. Slaves from African descent cost between 800 and 1,000 pounds each, double the cost mm -hmm. of an indigenous slave at the time. So you'd need to work for like 10 years as an average Canadian to be able to afford to have a slave. Which is also kind of, I mean, not that there should be a monetary value on human lives in general, but also, wow, what a slap in the face that you're also not worth as much as the other slave population. Like you're now tearing slavery of well, high class slaves I think, over here. I think it would be though that your African slaves you're actually having to import. import. Okay, so there's a little your indigenous tree. slaves you can just pick them up pretty yeah. much off the side of the road. That is true. That is true. <laughs> like they're, they're already in Canada. They're like, being just, economical. Though. Yeah, like 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 I think that your extra cost is probably also your import fees. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Which is kind of sad, it but... It's very sad. <laughs> Therefore, slaves were pretty much only for the rich, including the family of our first Prime Minister, Sir John A. Macdonald. Yes, classic Macdonald. But today I'm going to focus on one event in Quebec's history, with one particular slave being blamed for everything that happened. This is the fire that burned old Montreal to the ground in 1737 and the ultimate demise of Mary Joseph Angelique. I wonder if, is old Quebec, or sorry, old Montreal still where old Montreal is now? Because, like, yes. I've walked around. So, like, like you've got, like, you have very few things that survived old Montreal, mm -hmm. and then the current city of Montreal basically was built off right. of that. So yeah. I wonder if it's, like, if we looked at maps, if it would be, because Old Port is what they consider Old Montreal, but I wonder if, like, it'd be cool after this to go back and be like, oh, hey, 
look at these landmarks because... Yeah, so the author of the book that I use is, like, my main source. She actually talks about going to Montreal and, and walking and, like, looking at, okay, this is where the house used to have been and stuff, right? So, like, That's yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, so, yeah, so Marie Joseph was born around 1705 in Portugal. There isn't much known about her first 20 years of life and a definitive answer of how she ended up in slavery. Researchers suspect that she was likely sold to a Flemish merchant in her late teens and then shipped off to North America. We do know that she arrived in New England, a.k.a. Ontario, where she was sold to a French merchant at the age of 20. She was sold at least twice between the time that she left her homeland and then was moved to New France. Her new owner, Francois Poulin de Francsville, took her to Montreal, where she was to be a domestic slave in 1725. He passed away in 1733, in which her ownership transferred to his wife, uh, Therese de Couaginen. Therese and Francois had a daughter named Angelique, who had passed away at some point, and is, it is believed that Therese renamed Marie Joseph after her daughter, so we'll from this point forward refer to Marie Joseph as Angelique. Back at history gets confusing with name changes and well especially with like slavery because like literally it was like how your owner basically claimed you so like anytime you changed owners they would usually re-baptize you with a new name and basically like so they're like we have your ownership and also like you have a name now we're such good people we're just like what you think that we weren't born with a name <laughs> like that you're the first one to give us one like <laughs> so angelique was enslaved at the francoville home for nine years with her enslavement ending in 1734 it wasn't a good ending to her enslavement however and we'll get to that first i want to look at her life to the best of our knowledge from the testimony that we have in order to do that, we need to understand Canada's relationship with slaves on a deeper level, as we can't be sure exactly what Angelique's life looked like. Angelique could very well be saying one thing while Therese says another thing during the trial, as well as like the other people who were brought up as witnesses. It's also very important information in order to understand the mindset of the French slave owners surrounding the accusation and trial of this young woman who literally had like no say in her life. My guess is anything that is said bad about her is false. <laughs> I just had to take a, a guess. Or exaggerated. Or exaggerated, yeah. <laughs> to like, make her look worse than she was. Exactly. And even if she was, like, doing not great things, like, I don't, I don't know the story yet, but, like, if she was stealing or whatever it happened to be, like, okay, she was a slave. Like, give her a break. <laughs> she was stealing because she needed to because she was probably not paid well. She wasn't paid at all. She's a slave. Sorry. Anyway, (laughs) sidetrack. So, as I said earlier, slavery is a secret that has been kept from Canadian history books for a long time. Those of us who grew up in Canada, and possibly those of you from the States, likely only really heard about our role as saviors in the Underground Railroad. Because of this, it is hard for researchers to find a lot of information on exactly how slaves are treated and their general day-to-day lives. It's the classic tale of history being told by the victors that we see in pretty much everything. (laughs) But we were part of the slave trade from the moment that the land was colonized by settlers. In fact, multiple shipyards were used to build the ships that would be used for the slave trade in the beginning. 
As time went on, the difference between our slavery practices and the USA practices are evident. The USA had an economy that was based on slavery practices, while Canada simply had a society that included slaves. I don't know if that makes us better. I want to say it does, but at the end of the day, slavery is slavery, and that's not okay. Right? But at least we had less, and we were probably a little bit nicer to them. I like to think that we were, but also probably not. No. No. (laughs) Um, Many of our Canadian pioneers who built the roads, homes, and farms were slaves, but they are forgotten in the narrative woven by those who enslaved them. In the late 1600s, settlers reached out to the current king of France, asking for permission to bring over African slaves as laborers and servants who were so scarce or cost too much in this new land. The king's number one worry was that our climate would negatively affect the slaves coming from the tropics. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the climate negatively affects me and I was born and raised here. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But slaves were brought anyways, and they soon became part of the Canadian society. But settlers were still complaining that there weren't enough coming from France, so they entered the broader slave trade. Montreal actually ended up having the largest slave population in Canada during the era of slavery. These slaves worked anything from rat-catching to hangmen, but most were employed as domestic servants, farm laborers, or in skilled occupations. I mean, that sounds pretty much the same as anywhere else. Yeah, but I think that, like, our farming and stuff was probably a little bit less harder than, like, the plantation farming. Like, our farms weren't that big. I guess, yes. Plantations are huge. That is true. (laughs) So, like, you had, either you had a lot more slaves to work it, or your slaves were working double hard. But then you add in our climate. Yeah. So were like winter time and winter is really long in most of Canada Eastern yeah. Canada so like were they working in the middle of winter with adequate clothing probably not yeah so the Francoville family that owned Angelique were very successful traders in New France and seemed to have friends in high places There are surviving documents that show that Francois Francville was connected with at least one of King Louis XV's most powerful ministers. He actually received about 10,000 livres from said minister in order to build a mine when the government was quite strict and cheap with with their monetary support of the Canadian colonies. So they had, like, society status. As to the Francoville family and their slaves, records show that they had three slaves at their Montreal home, two indigenous slaves and Angelique. The only documents that survived of Angelique's were her baptismal papers. So slaves were baptized by their new owners as a way to change their names. We only have record of Angelique's baptism with the Francoville family and nothing from her previous owners, so we don't know her name or names uh, from before this time. Mm. When she was baptized, she was two months pregnant with her son, Eustache. The father is reported to be another African slave by the name of Jacques Caesar. It is likely that the two of them were forced together by Francois, as many slave owners at the time would quote-unquote 
breed their slaves in order to increase their slave population. Gross. I hate that. They're not cattle. I'm thinking that this would have been, like, a cheaper way of getting more slaves. Oh, absolutely. Because I don't think you'd have to pay for the slave that is born under your care. No. It would be literally, like, breeding any animal that you own. Yeah. And then, in fact, I mean, just, like, a backyard... Ugh. Ugh. I hate this comparison. But just, like, a backyard breeder where you breed your two animals together and then you sell off the puppies so not only can you keep the offspring for your own profit but or like workforce but then you can also sell them off and make a profit off them which is yeah this is making me more depressed than I want it to be (laughs) I am very sorry (laughs) but it's gonna get worse (laughs) because Sadly, the little boy only survived for a month, but then Angelique gave birth to twins not long after. They both also passed within months of their births. What is weird is that the boy twin was claimed to have Jacques as the father, but the female twin was listed with an unknown father. I mean, technically, there are cases that twins having two different fathers, Yeah, that's like generally either with medical intervention or very rare cases of women with like multiple lovers yeah well because of so little proof survived there are many questions about the conduct of francois towards his slaves many white slave owners of the time would use their female slaves as their concubines and sexually assault them Mm, classic white men So we don't know if this happened in the Francville home, but what we do know is that when Francois passed, Angelique is reported to have started, quote-unquote, acting up and asking for her freedom. I think we can say that it's safe to assume that any white man who owns property is probably sexually assaulting them. Oh, most likely. Yeah. I I would bet my inheritance i don't have an inheritance but if i did (laughs) i would bet it on that (laughs) well the trial documents note that therese stopped mistreating her after francois's death as well so apparently while francois was alive his wife was mistreating her the slaves as well but then stopped when he died i mean that could be she probably wasn't treated very well either so there that could be a whole different not situation but like a whole nother story of trying to survive and now that your oppressor is gone well you can do whatever you want so here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. Yeah. All we know for sure about how Angelique was possibly treated is that by the end of her term of service, she was apparently uncontrollable, angry, and vengeful against the Francville family. I mean, again, I would be too. Yeah, like, if you're held as a slave. <laughs> you're you're being forced to have children by men you don't necessarily want to have kids with, and then those babies keep dying. And I can only imagine that as you were going through that pregnancy and then the first X amount of time you're worried about what's going to happen to their future. Like, are they going to have to live through the same things as you? Are they going to be separated from you the moment that they can be? Like, it's not, there's no happy ending. I would, I don't think you would be able to think of a happy, like, maybe we'll escape or something. So again, just depression. Yeah. Yeah. So testimony says that Angelique had free time on top of the amount of work that she'd be expected to do at the house. It said that she did a lot on her free time, mainly taking walks by the river, speaking with soldiers, drinking with neighbors of the Francville family, and having at least two love affairs. As is her right. Yeah. <laughs> However, there is no record of Angelique's physical description other than the fact that she was an esclave de la nation negresse, which is basically French for black slave woman. There is a lot of art done of the incident that we're going to get to here in a moment that I'll be posting on the Instagram account. So please do make sure that you join us there at Lit Story Podcasts for visuals. It's honestly like a beautiful artwork. Just depicting really terrible things. Well, depicting like the incident, it's like the incident that I'm about to get into or itself. Yeah. So, one of Angelique's love affairs was with a fellow Francville slave named Claude Thibault. Claude's contract was coming to an end, and he had declared that he wanted to leave Canada when he was given his freedom. This is what most attribute to Angelique's sudden ask for her own freedom and permission to leave Montreal just a few weeks after her master's death. It's like a love story. Yeah. However, Angelique claimed in her trial that she wanted freedom for her own sake more than she wanted it for her relationship. That's fair. Yeah. Teresa, of course, refused the request for freedom. Thus started a warfare between master and slave in the Francville home. It got to the point that Therese decided to sell Angelique to a government official named Francois Aten Cougnet for 600 pounds of gunpowder. 
From my research, this would have put the price on her head at approximately 60 pounds in English currency if my math is anywhere near correct, which it likely isn't. But the fact that she's being sold for 60 pounds when normally they go for like 800 to 1,000 really kind of shows how much her employer like hated her. (laughs) Just wanted her out. Gone. Yeah. And you can guess how Angelique took the news when she found out. Pretty not well, my guess is. Yeah. The house went from tents to a powder keg. Angelique begged to be allowed to stay, promising that she'd be good, as her mistress refused, saying that she was way, way too much trouble and basically dangerous. Therese even went as far as asking her niece to come stay in the house, as she feared that the slaves would harm her if she was alone, especially Angelique. But then her fears grew worse as threats started to be made. To quell her fears, she decided to send both Angelique and her lover to her brother-in-law's household, with the lover being asked to stay on while Angelique just waits there until the river is thawed enough to be sent to her new master. The threats that Angelique made were to burn the house down with Therese inside of it. She is also accused of threatening her lover that if he agreed to work for the brother-in-law, then he'd be tied down and unable to escape with her. I low-key, well, not even low-key, I full, full-key? I don't know. Either way, I want her to murder her masters. I, does she burn down the house? We will get there. <laughs> Within 12 hours of being at the brother-in-law's, everything went up in smoke. To be exact, Angelique's bed and her lover's blanket were literally on fire. The servants quickly put it out, and Angelique begged them not to tell their master. Their master did, however, wake up smelling the smoke, but then went back to bed after inspecting the house and somehow finding nothing amiss. Like, I don't know, a smoldering bed and blanket? Maybe, uh, see, I just, I want want her to die. I want her to be killed. That's my hope and dream for Therese, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, not not (laughs) Hang on. Therese. Yeah, no, I want Therese to die. Uh, Just like her husband. They can be together in hell. Well, the next day, the servants ratted out the pair. But by that evening, they disappeared. Sadly, the pair were caught on their escape route, and Angelique was sent back to her mistress while her lover was detained in jail. This is not a situation where stitches get... No, snitches get stitches. No. This is the situation where the snitches get praised and probably a little bit happier, worked for, like, conditions for, like, at least a day or two. (laughs) Which I get it. Like, I mean, you're in a shitty situation and anything to make your life better, I would probably go for it, too. It's just unfortunate. It's an unfortunate situation all around. Yeah. Well, this act of running away showed everyone in the household that she was absolutely serious about getting her freedom one way or another. But Angelique was now going to have to wait until winter ended and her lover was out of jail. During this wait, Angelique was a daily fixture at the jail against her mistress's orders, bringing her love meals and visiting him as long as she possibly could. When her lover was released from jail on April 8th, he returned to the Frankville home to collect his wages and was told to never return, as well as given the news that Angelique was sold. Is the river... river f- I don't know when the river thaws enough. Well, he dismissed the orders and returned frequently to the household over the next couple days to visit 
Angelique as their time was nearing a close together because the rivers were starting to thaw. Okay. But now, by like early April, now you got thawing rivers. Okay. And this is where we get to the good stuff, everybody. Hold your toques because it's about to get scorching hot. <laughs> Saturday, April 10th, 1734. Old Montreal burns to the ground. The fire starts in one specific house. Therese Frankville's home. Oh my god, I love this person. The mistress, though, is blocks away for a mass at the Notre Dame church. Disappointing. Her nemesis of a slave is standing right outside the front door of the burning home. Then, suddenly, the calls of fire spring up around the area as more and more people start to notice the flames. Angelique's voice included... One of the neighbors ran to the house to try to help, asking Angelique for a ladder as the flames quickly started to eat up the roof. Angelique quickly said that there wasn't one. The neighbor, watching the flames grow worse and worse, immediately abandoned the Frankville home and ran to his, more focused on saving what he could of his own things. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Save your own skin. The entire town became alerted, and soon everyone was either trying to save their own things or attempting to kill the flames that were continually building. Again, like, my understanding of, like, when in history things started to change architecturally is very limited. So at this point, it'd be interesting to know whether most of the houses are made out of wood or if they're starting brick now. Because if everything is wood, no wonder this whole portion of the city I think most of it was wood and then it became more like stone and stuff because now like in today's old port Montreal most of the buildings if not all of the buildings are all stone and that's what makes it so beautiful is because you it's like walking in another world because it's very European visually um, and like stone cobble side streets and everything so yeah it'd be cool to see a a side-by-side I don't know yeah probably aren't side-by-side pictures of then and now but probably not but I can definitely see if I can find any like picture renderings or yeah yeah so everything went up like dry timber and the fire started to roar down the street even collapsing the hospital walls and forcing the nuns to flee their convent part during their evening relaxation hour Though it was the law that all able-bodied citizens had to assist with the firefighting when the alarms went off, they were soon overtaken with fear of the massive blaze that refused to be beaten back. I'm literally imagining a pile of, like, buff farmers and fur traders and soldiers just booking it down the road as flames throw, like, roof shingles at them like pebbles. I want more white people to be dying in this. Just... Just my two cents. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, and like what I just described is technically a thing. As a witness to a fire in the city of Quebec in 1796 shared when they described the shingles being so light that they'd catch on fire and then float from house to house in the wind <laughs> to spread the flames. So I'm like, the shingles literally would be like being like thrown down <laughs> like, the road. Yeah. <laughs> just shingles like flying everywhere and then just like, pew, pew. <laughs> It took less than three hours for 46 buildings to be in a perpetual smolder as they lay in ruin, including the Hotel Dieu, which was the first hospital in Montreal, established in 1645. 
it burned down and had to be rebuilt twice before this particular fire <laughs> with the 19 sorry with the 1734 fire being the last rebuild that it needed to undertake until it was moved from old montreal to its current location in 1861 Fortunately and unfortunately, no one died in this massive blaze. Uh, disappointing. <laughs> Due to her constant threats and the, rep- and the reputation that Therese spread across the town, Angelique was quickly deemed to be suspect numero uno. That's fair. Knowing the history, I probably would suspect her too. But, like, I feel like it was also warranted, so... yeah. As the town recovered in the ashes of the hospital, Angelique mingled among them until authorities came to arrest her in the morning from the refugee camp, which her and her lover actually helped a pilot, like, helped, like, Therese, like, get as much stuff as she could out in there, and they were also helping other people and stuff, like, throughout the whole fire. Maybe it was, oh, no. Now it's, like, a mystery. Who actually did it? Because if I was setting a house on fire... I would not help the person whose house I set on fire get all of their belongings out. I'd be like, yeah, watch it burn. Well, during the fire, her lover had taken off and escaped capture. So it was definitely him. So he for sure was like <laughs> either had something to do with it or he also just was like, perfect opportunity. Exactly. Bye! You're all distracted. <laughs> The investigation and trial into this fire wasn't going to be taken lightly, as the incident was quickly deemed as the most spectacular crime a slave ever committed in Canada. Dun, dun, dun. Pretty much everyone who wasn't a slave were convinced that it had to be Angelique. As far as they knew, she had a motive, and the evidence was stacked against her. I'm not going to go into too much detail on her trial and her time in jail, as I'm pretty sure we can all imagine what she went through. Being in Canada, we can expect that it's probably something nicer than what she would have endured in America, but it was still gruesome. For example, Angelique was adamant that she had nothing to do with the fire until multiple bones were broken and her spirit. 24 witnesses were called to seal the deal, with 23 of them claiming that they knew Angelique set the fire as she told them that she would multiple times. One of these witnesses was a five-year-old girl. I mean... In their defense on this one, she did say earlier that she was going she to She did do apparently, it. like, threaten multiple times that she would set fire to the house with her owner in it. But her owner wasn't even in the house, and she would have known yeah. that. So, I mean, again, <laughs> it's hard to believe that any of it is really accurate to what happened, because who wrote this? White people. Um, yeah. But if it went down like that, then... Yeah, I mean, technically she did say it, that she was going to do it. Yeah, well, and, like, the only evidence left would be what the white people wanted to have left. They would have, like, been like, okay, we're going to destroy this and this and this. And there was no, like, internet archived thing that could, like, save it that's like, no, look, on this date it said this. Now it's saying this. You're covering something up. I mean, they don't have any of the things that would help solve that kind of crime now. There's no forensics. There's There's no cameras or video surveillance or anything like that. So, yeah, it it is exactly whatever the authorities want it to be. Yeah. So Angelique was found guilty and sentenced to death. At first, her hands were to be removed, and then she was to be burned alive. But the sentence was appealed in Quebec City and downgraded. 
to being tortured, hung, and then burned. How is that downgraded? I don't know, but I guess it's better to be burned after death than burned alive? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, death by fire seems pretty bad, but also so does torture having your hands removed and everything else that they just mentioned. Yeah. It was during this round of torture on June 21st, 1734, that Angelique confessed to the fire under duress and claimed that her lover, who was still on the run, helped her. After being hung at the Notre Dame church, her body was left on display for two hours before she was placed on the pyre at 7 p.m., her ashes spreading out in the wind throughout the night. So, like, being hanged also not a good way to die. No. I can't remember what it was. I was watching a documentary or some something about it, and in the movies, your neck always snaps when you drop and stuff, and that's not the case with hanging. No, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen, so then you're just strangling to death, and your hands are, like, tied, so you literally can't do anything. Like, it's... I mean, I've never experienced either, but I would say that it's probably similar to being burned alive. Like, neither of them are fun. Well, I think I've seen, like, ones where somebody's taken, like, over an hour. Yeah. And stuff where it's like, oh my god, and then the people who are, like, somehow standing there and just watching it happen. Like, how are you not (laughs) wanting to help the guy? I've read or, again, read or seen, and it's sometimes, like, someone will have to, like, hold on to their legs and then jump so that it gives enough force to actually snap their neck, which is terrible. But, like, even if you break your neck, you don't always end up dying. You can just be paralyzed. Like... See, and this is why they should have just brought the guillotine. Like, that one seems like it's a pretty... Well, I mean, it is kind of very French. It is very French. You were literally in France. Well, not France, but, like... New France. Canada. Like... Yeah. Also, what what amazing ways. Hmm, let's try killing someone like this. Uh. Yeah. So, while much of Canada's wrongs have been covered over, Angelique's story has popped up every so often in our, pultru- in our popular culture and lives. In 1995, a play named after the woman was staged and then published in 2000 by Lorena Gale. Then, in 2012, a public square in Montreal across from City Hall was renamed in her honor. Maybe. I don't remember this. I wasn't paying attention to... What the squares were named? (laughs) But yeah, there is a square right across from the City Hall that's named, like, Place de... De, yeah. Like, de Marie-Joseph Angelique. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, the metro stations, and nothing... None of the ones that I went to frequently enough are that but i wouldn't be surprised if because most of the um those types of areas have a metro that connects to it yeah so angelique's story is only one of many that uncovers the gruesome history of canada and the government's attempts to keep our image squeaky clean i'm going to bring you all more of these stories sprinkled throughout like the many other historical stories that i have planned as i think it's important to remember that we all have a dark side No one's fucking perfect. No one's perfect. (laughs) I mean, literally every civilization in the world has had slaveries. Of some type. Slaves, yeah, yeah, of some kind. So no one is, yeah, no one is innocent. No. Yeah, you've either been a slave or you were the slaver. There's not not really any other options. There's, like, no other options. 
So thank you so much for being here today with me, and a really special thank you to my guest on today's episode, Kelly. Please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you may be listening on, as well as on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. Smash that subscribe button. I don't know if that's a thing you do on podcasts or if that's just YouTube. Well, we are now also open for subscriptions through oh, ACAST Plus. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> Where you can subscribe for ad-free listening if you so choose. Um, the link to that will be found in our show notes and on our Instagram page. We are also now on Buy Me a Coffee, where you can make a one-time donation or subscribe with a membership, either monthly or yearly. If you subscribe yearly, you actually get two months free with your membership. All proceeds go towards research materials, technology upgrades, and keeping us fueled for success. Like, quite literally, fueled with coffee for success. No, that's... Coffee is important. It's the only way I get through the research. <laughs> Links are on our website, litstorypodcast.com, and Instagram page, litstorypodcasts. We'll see you all next week as we dive into a Nazi history rabbit hole to learn about a special quote-unquote guest that Hitler kind of attempted to entertain for his own ambitions. All right. Well, hear you next... See you next time? What is... How do you sign off a podcast? Goodbye, friends. I just say, see you then. Okay. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you found something new and will check out the resources in the show notes to get more information. In the meantime, I would really appreciate it if you could rate and review on your favorite podcast platform so more history nerds can find me. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page at WDYKA Podcast, as well as considering helping me out with a donation or membership on Buy Me a Coffee. The link is in the show notes and on our IG link tree. Thanks so much and see you next time on the lesser known side of history. <laughs>